With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford and AD Drew here, and we've uh, we've got a uh, two weeks in the books, and our pockets are a little lighter after a tough weekend. <laughs> Why would your pockets be lighter, brother? You spent too much at the concession stand. Uh yes, yes, too much, too much, uh, too many peanuts, too many peanuts. And and Cracker Jack. So uh yeah, definitely, definitely. It's a it's a bad beat weekend for a lot of folks. Um but it's good to be back on with you. And uh want to thank you guys for checking us out. Uh want to remind you to uh make sure you're following us on all our social media platforms at my BCSN one, the number one, and that's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh make sure you are uh, hitting like and subscribe, whether you're watching us right now on YouTube or on Facebook. Uh, also, make sure to download that Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Go to your Google, Apple Play Store, MyJBN, or MyBCSN is how you can find it. And of course, all of our podcasts can be found on the BCSN Pod Zone. We've even got our own show uh, uh, podcast, so you can find our shows there. We're everywhere. All you have to do is look us up, BCSN, and I'm sure you'll find And we are growing. Yes, the network's growing. Uh, Coming up later uh, today in this show, we're going to be joined by Chris Ferguson of D2Football.com. Talk to us about an exciting week in the CIAA. And, of course, uh, get into a little discussion regarding some of the non-conference games that are going on. Of course, that's a big thing around this point of the year. And then also later on, we'll talk with Mo Carter, uh, WZDX sports director in Huntsville, Alabama. And Alabama A&M had a bye week. So the one of two bye weeks. Uh, woo, for Alabama A&M? Or, yes. Okay. They, only, they, they, were, they were not able to get game number 11 on their schedule. So they have two bye weeks now. Oh, okay. Without yes. having to play week zero. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So. 
Uh, that'll be for them. Where uh, So we're looking forward to having Mo join us a little bit later in the show. And we'll kind of talk a little bit about what we saw this past weekend. His Southern Jaguars with a bit of a scare. So I'm sure there'll be some instant reaction he'll have on that. And then we'll also get a chance to talk about Thursday's big matchup between Bethune-Cookman and Alabama A&M, where the uh, defending champs will travel down to Daytona Beach in my neck of the woods. I got to find a way to get to that game, Drew. That's only about 45 minutes away from me. I've got to find a way to get there. You have no excuse, my brother. It won't won't even cost you a quarter tank of gas. No, it definitely won't. Definitely, It it will cost me some sleep, though, for the the night. That definitely. Why? You you don't know how to come back after the game? Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, that, that's what the show, and then of course, coming up after our show, make sure you hang around the debut of BJ Jones inside HBCU football, uh, inside HBCU football, excuse me, is, uh, the name of, uh, I believe his show and BJ Jones will be coming up after, after us. All right, Drew, we got a lot to get into. And we're gonna we're gonna try to hit some of these big games, and kind of give a big takeaway from uh, from the games that we had. And let's start with uh, let's start with our Southern Heritage Classic. Uh, you know, Jackson State with a thirty eight to sixteen win over Tennessee State. And Drew, I gotta admit, the first thing that caught my eye on this game is that Tennessee State was a two and a half to three point favorite. No lie. What bookie in Vegas had that? I wish you would have called and told me what book to put that on because I would have taken Jackson State. And I don't know what was the over under, just out of curiosity. Uh, The over under was, uh, I'm trying to recall it. I think it was, oh, I just had that pulled up. I think it was uh, 38. Once again, <laughs> thirty-eight. Yeah. Once again, you know that 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 seven points, uh, that seven to six Fairview score by Jackson State was a obviously is, is a one-off, and uh, looks like the Tennessee State is consistently in the teens as of right now. Well, you know what I what I what I realized is that game that that line had to be based on previous history in which I think Tennessee State has won or fared very, very well in favor uh, over top of Jackson State. I don't know the, the, um, the, the recent history of those two teams. I'm sure I could, you could look it up real quick. But uh, I, I know last year, of course, it was like 49 to 44. Tennessee State won that ball game. And uh, I think they well, the, the year before it was called because of lightning, if I recall correctly. So the, needless to say, when I saw that, I tried to look. I, I, I told when I, I'm producing Carlos's show on Saturday when I saw that and I sent him a text and he mentioned it in his show. But, you know, in all honesty, it was kind of one of those things in the middle of the show. And so when I saw it, I said, I got to make sure I pony up as much as I can. I, 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 I you know, I went to the bank. I. uh I, it's not spending the rent money. I, you know what? I, I did, but I wish I would have because I would have came <laughs> out on top on the money line, Jackson State plus 140. So every now and then, if you pay attention, these FCS games, you'll find a gym hidden under the rubble 
You know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of rubble down there, but you gotta, you gotta really do some scrolling and looking, but anyway, yeah, it was there. So let's talk about that game because, well, there wasn't much to talk about. Jackson state was, they were, they were, they were the superior team, even though they struggled in the first half. I mean, the score was 10 to seven at halftime, but that's when they kicked it in. They kicked it in going into the third quarter. Uh, Shadur Sanders, uh, kicked off uh, the one of the opening drives of the third quarter with a 67-yard touchdown pass uh, to Corbin the third on a three-play 70-yard drive. Uh, then he comes back a little later in the quarter, hits Shane Hooks for a 10-yard pass, 24-7 at that point, and it's all Jackson State from that point. Shadour finished 30 of 40, 362 yards, three touchdowns, no INTs. Uh, the young... The young prodigy is uh, continuing to assert himself with highlight after highlight, week after week, and uh, it's pretty impressive what we're seeing out there. Uh, yeah, I said this on uh, Dr. Cavill's inside the uh, HBCU Sports Lab this morning. Last week against FAMU, Shadur Sanders did not look like the four-star uh, recruit quarterback recruit that he was he has been billed to be yesterday against tennessee state he looked like about a seven star uh, quarterback recruit uh playing playing his lights out and for a true freshman two college games no ints and have your team in the position where you get subbed out in the fourth quarter because your team has such a large lead and you let the the twos play and the threes play you know that that's saying something yeah i would you know i i would i would i would i would disagree a little bit he did look like a four-star in spurts and then there were moments when he looked like a true freshman uh you know in or a freshman quarterback in spurts so there were there were some there were some definite plays where he looked young he looked inexperienced and then today you can see all, and I'll tell you what, man, if the if the young man is making that kind of strides in one week, Drew, I'm I'm excited to see what he does. And and really so many schools, you need that quarterback. You need that strong quarterback play. And so if you have good quarterbacking play, it automatically sets your team apart. Uh and then that defense, man, Jackson State's defense, um, they had two guys who really set the world on fire. You had James Houston. 10 tackles, 10 tackles, seven solo, five tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. Jeez. And Aubrey Miller, who I think I read as a Memphis native, 10 tackles himself, uh, only two solo. He had two and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, and a fumble recovery. So those two guys just uh, wrecking havoc. Uh, it's always somebody new. And, uh, and I noticed two games, two weeks, Jackson State, with different helmets. So now I'm curious to see what's going to happen in week three. Let's see. Uh, maybe they're going to go back to the tradition. I bet you they don't wear the traditionals until your homecoming. Uh, yeah, you know what? That'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. I, I promise my then, sister. Speaking of helmets, I, I just got to throw this out. What's up with everybody putting the numbers on one side and the decal on the other side? If you notice that Jack, uh, Tennessee State had that, yesterday and if you notice more teams seem to be going to that the number on this side and the school decal on that side well that's I, I'm, I'm guessing that's what Jackson State did Jackson State had the the traditional they did. side and the number on the other 
Yeah, they did. They started that last year. But if you notice, Tennessee State had the same thing in this particular game. And I'm starting to notice this on for more and more HBCUs with the number on the one side and the school decal on the other side. It's it, it, to it. Well, I mean, you know, seeing as how Coach Prime wants names on the back, I, I think we're moving to a place where we might just put last names on the helmet as well <laughs> and, and, and just go ahead and just put number and name and name on the helmet and just kind of get that out of the way too, just so that way your mama, who might have bad vision, or grandma with bad vision, so that she can really see it. And she doesn't have to worry about the jersey. She can yeah, see it on the woman. That works fine when you have a last name like mine, like Drew. That fits good on the helmet. Yeah. But when you when you got about 15 letters in your last name or, you know, if you've got a hyphenated name where you got your mother and your dad's last name with a hyphen in the middle of it, let's go get, let's go get a little bit small. You're going to need some binoculars to see some of these names on the helmets if you did that. <laughs> um, as we as we peek ahead at Jackson State now, two and oh, climbing up everybody's polls i'm sure um the bcsn rankings by the way just to let folks know don't come out until the first week in october but uh as we start thinking about i think this is a real interesting test coming up for jackson state next week against uh ul monroe they're going up against an fbs opponent on the road and you know i i I think that could very well be a winnable ball game given given the caliber of talent that Jackson State has, right? I mean, Jackson State has FBS talent on that roster. Yes. So and, it and is not. That would, that would be a good win for the SWAC in general. You know, the SWAC having had tough tough times beating non-HBCU schools out, out of conference. Uh, you know, the, the, the win by Alcorn against uh, Northwestern State Maybe the first win, and I'm trying to look prices like 2017 for the SWAT out, out of conference against a non-HBCU. So that would really help elevate the SWAT brand in addition to help elevating Jackson State. Yeah, and, and next week uh, there are four. Uh, this this week there were four games by SWAT teams against uh, FBS. We'll talk about that in a moment. Next week, Jackson State and FAMU are playing what I, I will go so far as to say could be very winnable games against FBS talent. I, I'm just going to say that and just let it sit there for a moment. But I, I think those are very winnable contests against FBS opponents. Um, since you brought Alcorn State up, let's talk about that and transition to our big takeaway from that game. Alcorn State rallies to beat Northwestern State of the Southland Conference. Alcorn State was a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite in that ball game. They covered. They did cover, 13-10. to (laughs) Uh, Had to actually do it in the fourth quarter. Uh, Felix Harper uh, led Alcorn in, I believe it was a 96. I'm trying to to scurry and find find my notes that I had set up here. It was a... Uh, a 90 play, 96 yards, I believe it was. Uh, 96 yard drive. Uh, 92, 92, 10 plays, 92 yards, capped off by a Felix Harper run, but they were trailing 10 to 10 to three at the end of the fir- uh, third quarter, and needed every bit of uh, uh, of offense and defense on that long drive there at the end to get that win. What's your takeaway? from 
Alcorn State winning that game against Northwestern State, Drew? Thank God uh, Alcorn was able to get their win because can you imagine how the reservation would have been if they would have started off 0-2 going into SWAT play? So the the ship is not quite correct, has not quite corrected its course in Norman, Mississippi, but at, at least it's not floating out there floating anymore. It's, it's, it's the motors are, are churning and they're going the right direction. They've just got to, they just got to get the navigation, make sure that the wind is right and keep going along the, uh, the path that, that they are going on. Uh, and you mentioned, I don't, I don't know if you, uh, you you mentioned 2017 being the last time that a SWAC team beat. Don't, don't quote a, me on that yet. I'll, yeah, I'll, I, I, well, that's what I was going to say. I, you mentioned that. I don't know whether that was accurate or you were you were sort of. Uh, I'm going off the top of my head. I was trying to find it, find the stat. Well, this is, what I'm, doing break. this is what I'll say. I know for sure because I know I, I charted this in 2018 and 19. 19. They, they didn't. There were no wins. There were no wins by anybody in the swag out of conference uh, against a, uh, what, a, a, H, a PWI of the FCS caliber. And that's one of the things that we continue to talk about. And I, I always like hearing guys like BJ Jones talk about this when he constantly says, look, you, the SWAC has got to start winning these games against other FCS opponents. Now, yes, we know the SWAC is not in the playoffs, but in terms of rankings, in terms of recognition and all these other things that, you know, you want to see happen on a national level, you got to beat these teams. You got to beat now. I know Northwestern state may not be the cream of the crop in the Southland conference, but Drew, I'll tell you what, I bet you that team, uh, as I heard Charles Edmonds said, they, they walked in believing that they could beat all corn and that they were a superior team. I don't know whether they believed it from a player standpoint or from a coaching standpoint, but you best believe there was a little bit of ego and arrogance walking into uh, the reservation uh, prior to kickoff. Last win was September 9th, 2017. Grambling State defeated this same Northwestern State team 23-210 in Grambling, Louisiana. Okay. Wow. That's a heck of a Heck of a run! Almost four years since um, an F uh, since a SWAC team has defeated uh, a fellow FCS PWI. So that's that's huge. That's huge. So congratulations to Alcorn State, and I bet you what the bye week really helped. You know, because I think it gave them a chance that extra week to really refocus and say all that hype that you guys had going into the kickoff means nothing. You didn't earn it. You didn't earn any of it. So I'm sure there was a complete refocus there for Coach McNair uh, and that entire team. And uh, now for for Alcorn, uh, they get the opportunity to get ready for South Alabama this upcoming weekend. They're not staring at 0-2. That's another thing. You're not staring at 0-2 going into that ball game. So that's, uh, that's huge. Let's go to another big takeaway. Southern holding off Miles. And I saw this score, and I was like, what? My, we already know Miles giving the swag fits last week as they pushed Alabama State to overtime. This week, for a half, they're beating Southern. I believe it was 16-14 to 14 at the half. 
and uh, Southern managed to to find themselves late in the in the second half. Uh, thanks in part, you know, Southern made a change at the quarterback position, the starting quarterback. They went to Bubba McDaniel instead of Ladarius Skelton, who had started 25 straight games as a starting quarterback for Southern. Uh, Coach Jason Rollins made the change, decided to go with uh, McDaniel. And uh, in the second half, uh, sticking with uh, McDaniel, it looks like Southern was able to finally come up with 21 unanswered points in that second half and pull away from miles. What's your, what's your takeaway from that game, Drew? It's interesting considering that uh, miles, miles lost their coaches uh, this spring. Dawson Odom's left and Southern, Southern lost their coaches. Yeah. I'm sorry. Southern. That's sorry. Him and I'm, ta- I'm getting ready to talk about the miles coach. So I'm, I'm, what moving, happened to Ruffin? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm moving ahead of myself. Gotcha. So oh, the lost Dawson Odoms did something to to Norfolk. One of the people who was a finalist for that Southern job was Reginald Ruffin. So just like we talked last week, he was on a uh a walkthrough or a site visit as part as part of his interview. Maybe there's a second. Swag school that's looking at Reginald Ruffin. Because Reginald, there, there are two names in our mid majors of small college HBCU footballs that are probably going to be on everybody's list in December. Reginald Ruffin from Miles, Quentin Morgan from Langston. Those are the two. You... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, did you have another one throwing there? Oh, no, no, no. You're you're fine. I was just going to say it's kind of funny you bring up Quentin Morgan because the last time Southern played a a uh, what what we'll, we'll call an under D one opponent and had some first half it was the lightning game. It was the lightning game against Langston, and they were and giving them fits. Yeah, yes, that was 2019, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and uh, they got out of there with a win somehow. They, you know. Let people from Langston tell it. Uh, it might have a little different story and narrative behind it. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Quentin Morgan uh, either played or coached previously at Southern. I know he has Southern ties in his roots. Just can't remember what those ties were. It's been a while since we've talked to him, but I know he has Southern ties also. So just, just you know, I, I just find it interesting that, yeah, Miles is 0-2 going into – SIEC play, they open up against Morehouse this Saturday. But this is not a Lincoln of PA 0-2. You know, these have been competitive games. If anything, this Miles team has gotten better in these losses. And if you're Morehouse, you should be scared. Yeah, well, they this a good zero and two team. Miles yes. definitely are. They're, they're they're probably the best zero and two team in HBCU football as of right now. I would rank their zero and two better than well. It's it, you can flip a coin between their zero and two and A and T's zero and two. You can flip a coin between those two, and then South Carolina State would be a clear number three behind those two. Okay, I like that. I uh, want to give a mention uh, Southern. Rushed 
for 323 yards as a whole in the contest on 39 carries, scored five touchdowns, rushing. Uh, Craig Nelson, Craig Nelson, eight attempts, 134 yards, a touchdown. Devon Ben, 13 carries, 62 yards, and two touchdowns uh, for Southern. And so uh, Southern getting it done. Congratulations to Coach Rollins on winning uh, his first contest as a head coach. So congratulations to Coach Rollins. Drew, when we come back, I'm going to tell you about eight teams, eight teams that were big underdogs on Saturday. And we're going to find out how many of them covered and how many of them well, did not perform up to expectation. We'll be back right after these words. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap with Brian and Drew. We'll be back right after these words. At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interest and overall goals. We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit thamptonlaw.com to conveniently schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton Esquire, 1631 Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407 407- Four nine four one four seven one, thamptonlaw.com. Q-Time is a classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together we can be the change. The Kuwait. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD joining you. Uh, Drew, what's uh, what's it looking like out there? I know you said uh, got a couple people who checked in with us already. Yeah, uh, Mary 305 says good old days. I guess she's talking about uh, Jackson State there. And Saeed Abdul-Rahim says go JSU. And boy, did we watch them go last week against FAMU and go again in the Battle of the Tigers at the Southern Heritage Classic. Yeah, again, I, I promised I wouldn't talk too bad about Tennessee State. My sister asked me not to go too bad on uh, the Tigers. Uh, Just make sure you cut the turkey first on Thanksgiving now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, exactly. 
that's the least you could do um, after that performance. But uh, Ed, you know what? Eddie George will get it figured out. You know, I, I think uh, the, the interesting part from Tennessee State Tiger fans, they're trying to figure out when is our turn. And what they don't realize is, you know, if you're watching what Dion Coach Prime has done at Jackson State, well, this is a eight month progress that he's done, eight eight nine months in the making. Uh, Eddie George has been there four months, if I'm not Correct. mistaken. Correct. And he's been playing a lot of players. If you notice these first two games, almost treat them maybe like preseason games as he prepares for the uh, Ohio Valley Conference season. And that's the one thing that they have the unique position of being in is that they are actually playing for the playoffs. They, they, they know that if they can win their conference, there's an opportunity to go into the playoffs. And so getting these various players in, finding yourself, establishing who you are and what you want to be will, will go a long way for, for Tennessee state, you know, uh, this upcoming week, they play Kentucky State, and that'll be a very dangerous team. Division two team, but still a dangerous team, and that'll be a home game for them. So that won't be an easy win. And then after and, that – Hold up, let me cut you off. Remember what Tennessee State did to Jackson State in 2019. Uh, I mean, not Tennessee State, I'm sorry. Kentucky State did to Jackson State in 2019. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Kentucky State is a – is an HB, HBCU FCS killer. I mean, right now under uh, Coach Jackson, they they are they they don't they are not to be played with. And we'll, we'll get a, we'll get to talk about Kentucky State here coming up um, in a short minute. But I teased this coming out of the last break, Drew. There were eight FCS HBCU teams that were underdogs of seven touchdowns or more. Now, seven touchdowns, seven times six. You do the math. That's 42. So, yes, 42 points, underdogs or more, going up against FBS opponents. So, of course, this week two was that paycheck week where we had – I mean, practically everybody in the MEAC was playing an FBS opponent. Uh, Howard's playing Maryland. Morgan's playing Tulane. Central's playing Marshall. Norfolk's playing Wake Forest. South Carolina State's playing Clemson. Uh, you got Grambling and Southern Miss, Texas Southern, Baylor, Alabama State, Auburn, BCU, Bethune against UCF. I mean, what's that? That's five plus four. That's nine. Did you get That's Hampton Old Dominion in there? Hampton Old Dominion, 10. Uh, and then if you count North Carolina A&T and Duke on Friday, that's 11. 11 games. Uh, the outcomes were not great. Uh, <laughs> I Just on – Shutouts. There were shutouts. Grambling shutout. All uh, Alabama State shutout. Howard shutout. Uh, South Carolina State got three points. So congratulations to them. They managed to avoid getting shut out. But the eight point, the eight teams that were spreads, and this is you know we we talk about this Drew because we we're aware of these markets you know, and this is you know it is it is out there. Uh, you had Norfolk State, who was a 43-point – I mean, just just wrap your mind around this for a second. 43-point underdog against Wake, okay? Fortunately, Norfolk State did cover that with a 41-16 to loss. 
Alabama State was a 50-point underdog. They lost 62-0. Uh, South Carolina State was a 50-and-a-half-point underdog, losing. Uh, actually, they covered 49.3. That was a bit of a surprise. I'm not even going to lie to you. Uh, Bethune-Cookman, 46 points, lost 63-14. Central. Now, Central was the team who showed up, and they almost lost. I mean, look, you, 43 points. For North Carolina Central, 44-10 was the final score. But uh, I promise you, Marshall was trying to score there at the end of the ballgame. Very scary for anyone who might have had North Carolina Central. That's all I will say. Marshall was trying to score at the end. But, you know, like I said, no, no one takes a knee anymore at the end of ballgames. Everybody's got their third unit in trying to go, you know. They got to get reps. That's what they call it nowadays. Now it's a, we're trying to get reps. We're Back in the day, you was running up the score. You're running up the score, right. And, and nowadays, it's all oh, we're, we're trying to get reps because of the transfer portal. We got to get reps. Uh, Morgan State, uh, anywhere from 47 and a half to 49. They lost 69 to 20 with a touchdown on the very last play of the game. So if you had 49, you were you were yelling yes because you got out of there with a push somehow. You got your money back. You didn't deserve to get your money back. That's all I'm going to tell you. But you got your money back on Morgan State. You did not deserve to get your money back. That's all I'm going to tell you. Go check my Twitter timeline. That game was a brutal game to watch. God bless Morgan State going forward. Texas Southern, 44 and a half. Got blitzed by Baylor, 66 to 7. Howard, 48 and a half point dog, 62 to nothing. I think that might have been the same score two years ago when they played Maryland. So that would be 130-something <laughs> points to zero that Howard has scored against Maryland. God bless it. Um, <laughs> Drew, what's your – We need to recruit wars down in uh, the DMV. What's, what's our takeaway from our HBCUs being so badly thought of or so poorly thought of by Vegas? Is Vegas wrong? Uh no. Okay. No, Vegas, Vegas came out a winner. <laughs> Vegas is Vegas is right more often than they're wrong. That's why they are Vegas. That's why they can offer these gambling lines because they're right more often than they are wrong. Now, with that being said, I want to shift the gear on that conversation. It's almost like, hey, what did you do with your stimulus check when you got your stimulus check? Did you blow it? Or did you invest it? You just you just hit you just hit a quick pick on the lottery. Did you blow it or did you invest it? You know you picked the you picked the stock and it split and you got dividends after the split. Did you blow it or did you invest it? That's the question we need to be asking these HBCUs after yesterday. Are you going to blow that money or are you going to invest it? Is that money going just to go back to cover scholarships or is that money going into facilities or does that money go into the, into the money pit that we call uh, the general fund? It's the budget. It's the budget. They budgeted their, whatever, whatever they plan on doing for the year. I, I, I know what it should be, how it should go. I, but as an alum, we should be asking these questions. Here what is, a great- where does that money go? That five hundred thousand you got for that game, but that three hundred thousand for that game, is it going towards scholarships? Is it going to hey, uh, we we need to make some upgrades in the locker room, so we're using some of this money for a, a capital project? Is it going to supplement coaches' salaries, or like I said, is it going to the general fund of the school 
And, you know, there's no telling where it disappears to once it goes to the general fund. Here's an interesting, you know, and this was a uh, conversation that uh, I I was uh, fortunate enough to be uh, in on. And it made me think about the money that you get from these paycheck games. If you want, you know, and this is a game where we look at what's the value. Like all these games were on TV. So the question is, did you feel good, alumni? Did you feel good watching your team play? Like if you're an Alabama State alumni, did you feel good watching your team play? I mean, I know the bands played. Uh, you know, they they were, I mean, but did you feel good? Morgan State, did you, did you feel good watching your, Drew, you, you got a hand in there? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to answer that question. Well, wait a minute. You're not an alumni. You're not an alumni of a team who was. But who was wait, in but I can answer that question as an alumni. Okay. Of a school. Okay. Did we feel good when fam you went up to Ohio State a few years ago and lost seventy three nothing? No. On TV. No, 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 no. no not all right, at all. I'm gonna leave it there. Not at all. Not at all. We've been there. Uh so the the back to the point. If you want these games to not, uh, if you don't want to see these games, and and the, trust me. I believe the FBS is slowly moving away from scheduling these games. They're truly separating themselves from the lower tier. And what I mean lower tier, that means the, the bottom half of the Power Five. They won't even go get the mid-majors, let alone. Right. And, and, and maybe. FCS schools. They're separating yeah. themselves from the Power Fives and the FCS. They don't want to schedule. Like, there's no reason, honestly, for Alabama to schedule Mercer the second week of the season. Except except to get except to get the twos and the threes some live reps. And so that's what you're doing. And you're not playing these games the first week of the season. But for 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 the big schools, hey, you're getting second and third teams reps. But right. for the smaller schools, you it don't want to lose up. guys for the season. Yeah. You know, we've seen that happen. Like I remember last year, I think, or 2019, Alabama State lost guys for the season playing Auburn. The last time Remember, Southern uh, Tennessee State went across to uh, Vanderbilt uh, was that nineteen or eighteen when the kid yeah. got sick, got yeah. put in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- yeah. That, I don't know if that was field related. We still don't know what happened on that. But yeah, Southern lost a guy, young man. Uh, I unfortunately I don't know his name. He had a serious accident uh, or a serious injury, rather, playing Georgia. So that you was know, about eight, I think that was like an eighteen or something like that. Yeah, so these games, yes, they help the budget and the coffers, but they don't they don't help morale. They they don't help the health of your roster. Because honestly, if you're not sticking your starters out there, what are you doing? You're sticking the second unit out there. God help those guys. Yeah. Um and your twos are not as good as their twos. No. Their twos, their threes are probably ones on your team. Why do you think these threes going to the portal and sign with our schools. Exactly. Exactly. Something else though, that there is a solution to this, Brian. Okay. I think you're going where I'm going to go. Every game does not have to be a class. There's only one homecoming. So if we fill our stadiums at 80% capacity in those other games. Yes. Outside of homecoming. Yes. Outside of, the classic, whatever your classic is for your school, then we uh, then we don't have to go out and get these games. One of the visions of Dr. McClellan, hey, we we could we could schedule ourselves 
for those three non-conference games. We could schedule a, a, not, a, not another SWAC team in a non-conference matchup, call it whatever classic you want to, and and let it do what it do. Let's take this the, the resurgence of the Orange Blossom Classic. 30-plus thousand COVID situation. It's, it, but it's, it's making a comeback. Mm-hmm. This past weekend, Southern Heritage Classic, 47,000. Yeah. So those well-established classics, are they going to continue to draw at that, at, at that almost pre-COVID level? Because that's not quite pre-COVID, but that's as close as pre-COVID as you're going to get right now. Because that, that, that classic is, is usually a 50-plus uh, game. So, but we've got to be able to do more of those on campus. This, we got to we got to fill up the games on campus, and that doesn't mean tell Ray Ray to go open up the back gate so that I can get in. That means people buying tickets. That means when the games are being streamed by the school, by by Black College Sports Network or whoever, that means tuning in, watching those games being streamed, and then going out and supporting the advertisers who pay for that stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. The uh, 350000 I, I I'm going to guesstimate that's probably on average of what most teams are getting. 350000 if you divide that amongst a $30 ticket, that's about 11000 or so, maybe 11,600 people. That's what you need to have in addition to what you might normally have at your stadium. And our stadiums are big enough. I mean, Bragg. FCS stadiums are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, right now the stadiums, most of the stadiums uh, are capable. I mean, you've got uh, Alabama State has a large stadium. What is that stadium seat? Uh, 25. Yeah, 25, you know. Bragg seats 25, Southern 22, something like that. You yeah. know, and no, and on average, they may be averaging. A&T you know, is in the 20s. Uh, Norfolk is in the 20s. Uh, Norfolk's 30 even. 30. So, I mean, they, they could – I mean, but on average, for non-homecoming games, they're not even reaching half capacity. So, if we're tired of seeing our teams get dumped on and beat up on to go get a check, well, how about we start filling up and buying tickets and I, and thirty dollar again is the average that I was just guesstimating. So thirty dollars. We not talk about tailgating passes. We not talk about parking. We not talking about what you're spending at the concession stand. And right. one other thing: merchandise. Don't buy the T-shirt from the bootleg man who got the fish stand and the T-shirts in the grocery store parking lot. Buy the T-shirt on campus at the official merchandiser of the, uh, of, official, of that school. Buy that, even right. if you go buy that Walmart, it's, it's, it's a licensed product. Don't buy it from the t-shirt man with, <laughs> with the fish stand and the, and the shirt that's made like fish. Cause he got, the, cause he got his table set up too close to the fish stand in the, in the grocery store parking lot where he just bought that fish that he's selling you. I'm sorry. I'm on. I'm That's on. Right. Anytime for a break, man. Before you get every, you every, be everything, rolling, man. every everything for the culture is not good for the culture. <laughs> uh, with that said, coming up in the next segment, we've got Chris Ferguson from D2Football.com joining us. We're going to get into uh, talking about what went on in the CIAA and in uh, the under D1 level 
uh, from hey, this past Saturday. Before you go, somebody says Southern can hold 35. I think it's, tw- I bet I think the official capacity is like 22, okay. but we all know they squeeze everybody they can in for homecoming. I don't think I've, I'd love to know the last time. So we'll, maybe we'll hear that after the break. When's the last time Southern had 35 in that stadium? That I is no Derek know. Banks. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to know that. You're watching and listening to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and Drew, we'll be back right after these words. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvée. Have you had your Earthblend coffee today? At Earthblend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world. Blended and roasted to perfection. Giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup with Earthblend Coffee. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. And joining us, as you can see, live and direct, Chris Ferguson from D2Football.com. Chris, thanks for joining us on the show. How you doing? Doing pretty well, guys. How y'all? Doing great, man. Doing great, man. Uh, Considering uh, the the bumps and the bruises that uh, HBCUs took. But (laughs) But just like in that car accident, I got paid. I'm broke up, but I got paid. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chris, yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, there's no, uh, there were no, especially in the CIAA, nobody was playing up. So nobody caught a, nobody caught a paycheck. Um, mostly everybody was playing D2 competition. We had four schools, three schools playing in the CIAA, three schools playing the SIC, uh, in which the SIC goes 3-0. and uh, you had one non-conference against Bluefield State. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then the rest of them were against fellow D2 programs, other conferences. Matchup. And, and they're matchups. Thank you. Yeah, and, and we were always talking, it seems like, Chris, about the importance of these games because they matter to the rankings. I know Drew always talks about it. You uh, talk about it. 
Well, we got a couple schools uh, that got a win, but most of them didn't fare too well this weekend. Let's start on the positive. Let's start with the positive being Bowie State, the uh, defending under D1 champs, the the highly ranked team that uh, took one on the chin against Dell State last week. They're hosting Saginaw Valley State. Uh, they come up big. Talk a little bit about Bowie State and really more so even a little bit about Saginaw and how important that game was uh, for the Bulldogs. So uh, many viewers may not be familiar with Saginaw Valley State. Uh, they're a team that plays in the, their Division II team, plays in the Great Lakes uh, Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. Uh, the GLIAC is, is known is known more, mostly for uh, Grand Valley and Ferris State. So it's perennially one of the top D2 conferences uh, in the country. And so uh, Saginaw uh, is kind of known as a team that has its ups and downs. Um, they've been kind of middle of the road uh, uh, GLIAC school for the past few years. And normally when you play out of conference, a CIAA school plays out of conference, they tend to struggle even with those middle of the road schools in other conferences. And so, uh, you know, here they come into uh, into uh, Bulldog Stadium and, you know, a lot of uh, uh, folks generally would probably pick a Saginaw Valley to, to, to beat Bowie State based on just how the conference has performed in general. In this particular case, though, this is not a, an ordinary Bowie State team. Um, this team, as I kind of mentioned to some other individuals, it, anytime you have a CIAA team that probably has two years worth of seasoning on it, um, they have that the core group comes back two years in a row. It, it, they typically have some success out of conference, and that's what you saw with Bowie State. Uh, it was kind of up and down, you know, at, at the beginning. But, you know, Jerome Johnson, the quarterback, uh, threw for over 400 yards, uh, which is definitely something that we wouldn't have seen last year from 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 somebody like him. Um, and, and they, you know, had a lot of receivers that came back and Darius Bowman had 176 of uh, 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 receiving yards. And so, you know, Bowie State's defense, they they were up to the task as they have been even our conference play. They kept them in the game at times. Uh, I mean, it was incredible. I, I believe they had a pick six uh, on Saturday. So, I mean, this this Bowie team is definitely one to watch even on a national level um, because uh, a game like this can show that they can certainly play and, and win those out-of-conference games, which is really important for the end of the regular season. Let, let me ask you something. Now, uh, Jerome Johnson, in the past, when we've looked at his stat line, it's always been three touchdowns, two INTs, two touchdowns, one INT. This past week, it was four touchdowns, no INTs. What what has led to that level of maturity, in, in your opinion? What have, what have you picked up on uh, as somebody who's covering that team? I mean, I think his accuracy has gotten better. I mean, you did see that stat line um, last week against Delaware State, you know, when they played at FCS school and – he had more touchdowns and interceptions. And I think some of that was probably just forcing it, right? Uh, whereas against the Saginaw Valley, they, they it seems like the coaches must have saw some things uh, out of the Cardinals that favored them. And I saw some of the passes that he threw. I mean, they were really good passes. And then you also had some really good runs after uh, yards after catch as well. So, 
Uh, I think a combination of that and, and his elusiveness to kind of freeze the defense really helps with uh, uh, decision making and helps with um, slowing down the game. So, so I, I think you just see, you know, Jerome didn't really play at Virginia Wise, quarterback at Virginia Wise when he was there. So really last season, well, 2019 was really the first season that he got to play a full year at, at the collegiate level. And I think you saw him take that next step. And, and that's a huge kudos to the Bowie State coaching staff. Yeah, you uh, in talking about that game, you know, Saginaw jumps out 10-0 in the first quarter. And it wasn't until that pick six by Jordan Carter, 38-yard interception in the second quarter, that sort of lit the spark for Bowie. But they even trailed in the third quarter a little bit and had to come, had to find their way back on top. So uh, it, it'll be interesting, you know, what, what does that say for them going forward to University of New Haven? What do you know about University of New Haven, their last non-conference game before they get into CIAA play? So New Haven uh, is a uh, – they were picked to win their conference, the Northeast 10. Um, New Haven had quite a few individuals kind of coming back. Um, perennially, they have been a top uh, uh, team in their conference or close to the top. So um, Bowie State and New Haven actually have history. Uh, they, they've had some really wild games. Um, so uh, – but in Bowie's favor, they've typically fared pretty well against the Northeast 10 um, over the last few years. So, you know, I really think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, it's, a gr- it's a great game for both schools. Um, but I do think that Bowie has a pretty good shot of uh, taking this game as well, going into the into conference play without a Division II loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now let, me, let me ask you something, Chris. You cover the CIAA. Tawan realizes that we're playing football right now. <laughs> Bowie right. realized that we're playing football because they they, they were competitive in, in game one. They won game two. When is the rest of the, the other 10 teams in the CIAA going to realize we are playing football? <laughs> this is not spring practice anymore. This is not fall camp. Right. We should not only right. be winning these games, but at least be competitive in some of these games. Well, um, uh, there are a couple of reasons for that or a couple of explanations. Uh, I think some teams are still trying to figure out personnel-wise what's going to work and what isn't going to work. A really good example of that is Shaw because Shaw is kind of like that, that, that threat that, that everybody's kind of – I think not a lot of people are looking at. I certainly am. Um, but they had a change in quarterback uh, at the Wingate game, first game of the season, and then they almost – beat a division one school in Davidson. I mean, they were right there at the end, lost by two points. And and that was a new quarterback, Christian Peters, that 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 is in there for them now. So, you know, I think there's some of that going on. Virginia State is another one. They lost by three points in, in a much closer than I thought a game against Ohio Dominican, which is a pretty solid division two squad. Um, the defense held, held them in there, but they couldn't convert in the red zone. Um, and they're still they got two quarterbacks that are still used to getting uh, playing at the at the faster level and trying to sort out the running backs, uh, even though they're seasoned, they're just they're just not there yet on offense. Um, and they played a really tough squad, too. I mean, they played Lenore Ryan week one. That was just brutal. Um, um, same thing with Virginia Union. I mean, they almost knocked off Hampton. But then 
you're playing against a, a upper echelon division two school that could probably that could easily probably beat Hampton. I mean, uh, uh, in Valdosta State. I mean, so you know these coaches scheduled up for a reason to get these guys to see how the upper end of Division two plays because that upper end of Division two, as you kind of saw at West Florida, beat McNeese State. I mean, they can play with some of the FCS schools and not just the bottom tier schools. Um, so I don't think it's a matter of just waking up. Now, if you want to talk about the bottom end of the conference, that's just a whole other matter. I mean, that's just. I, I was at Savannah State Livingstone, so you, I, I've seen some of it personally. I, I, I watched some of those games yesterday. Oh, it, it was, it was. You know what? It was interesting to watch because if you. I'd rather see a competitive game than a blowout. I had no interest in watching, and I actually was more like listening to Valdosta State and Virginia Union beyond the first quarter. I mean, because after that, what's the point? I mean, they, they're already overmatched. You knew it was, it was going to happen. But you got like an Allen and, and John C. Smith. Four quarter, everything just breaks loose. You got a, a Bluefield, Elizabeth City. Fourth quarter, everything breaks loose. I mean – even watching Winston State and Catawba was an interesting game, and it was just so it was just a glacially getting away from the Rams, but it was an interesting game to watch. Um, and, and, and those are teams that are still trying to figure out some things as well. So, in short, if I had to sum it up in general, the year off does not help uh, for a lot of these schools. Does not help. That, that's a good point that you remind us all of is that none of these schools played last year and they are probably more affected than the few FCS schools like uh, Alcorn or FAMU or AMT, uh, the schools like those who didn't play in the spring or last year, these D2 schools are probably more affected, you know, than, than those guys. Uh, so that, that's a good point that you bring up uh, something to consider. Did Fayetteville State, who lost 40-21 to 21 against Wingate, did they blow an opportunity? Because I looked at that Fayetteville State team. Now, I granted, I know they were playing ECSU the week before. But, I mean, Fayetteville State looks like they've got dudes who should – I mean, they look like they should be the, the third best team. Or they may be they, – they are one of the three best teams in the CIAA. Let's just clear that out of the way. Okay, so – what kind of opportunity did they miss out on by losing to Wingate 20, uh, 40 to 21? Yeah, you know, when, uh, Fayetteville State is so frustrating um, to watch um, because they have so much returning. I, I think the quarterback, Carly Lane, is about um, at, at, at par or maybe slightly better um, than the prior quarterback who was a, a two or three year starter there. Um, yeah, they're returning. They're having to kind of, you know, do a, a uh, um, rotating uh, running backs, but they've always done that. Um, the, the problem is, I think it's just, you know, there, there's a, there seems to be a bit of a ceiling for Fable State, especially on defense. And 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 as many guys as return that, that return from that defensive unit, uh, I think we're seeing the ceiling there. Um, as I wrote in, in my column, um, Fayetteville State hasn't beaten a non-CIAA, non-SIAC team for years 
and and that streak just continues because I, I think they just they've just hit a ceiling here, and, and I don't know what you do there to 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 get past that ceiling. But yeah, it, it was a it was a huge miss, huge miss for Fable State because of so much it, that they had returning, um, so much talent on that team. Um, but you know, uh, Wingate really picked them apart, and I don't think they really did too much different than they did not, that they've done in prior years. Um, they just simply picked them apart. You uh, you mentioned years. Uh, you mentioned twelve in the column. I guess now it'd be thirteen. Because I don't think Fayetteville State, by my records, have another non-conference game. I don't think they scheduled a game for this upcoming weekend. And then after that, Correct. they go right into conference play over the next seven weeks. Uh, so the, the the sad streak continues unless they get to the playoffs and win a game. Uh, that's uh, that's sad, man. That's uh, uh, the the. The SIAC and the CIAA, I, I've long been an advocate for there needs to be in these first three weeks, there needs to be an SIAC versus CIAA week. I don't know why the commissioners and the schools and the admins, and the, I don't know why this can't happen. I don't know who needs to sponsor this thing. Maybe we have to sponsor this thing, Drew. Maybe we need <laughs> to get behind of sponsoring uh, like, like, the, like the other four-letter network does uh, – um, uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Maybe we need to sponsor a CIAA SIAC Challenge. Well, we know they talk to each other because they show opted out at the same time. Exactly. We know so they look, at least conversate with each other. Yes, yes. So we know the conversation is there. We got to make this happen. But this past week, three CIAA schools lose. Lincoln loses to Central State 19-7. Johnson C. Smith loses to Allen University. Allen University, who Literally two wins, three wins the last two seasons. And now, made the jump. Yes. And they look now they're in their division two, taking out Johnson C. Smith and then Savannah State running rough shot over Livingston. But but you you, you forgot the worst loss of all for this uh CIAA. Uh-huh. Bluefield State <laughs> defeated Elizabeth City State. So wait, and I know we running over. But I gotta get this in. I gotta let Chris get in, get in on this before he goes. You got a Bluefield State who, in two games, has their first victory in a in the reborn program first first time since in forty one years. Forty one years. You have Florida Memorial, sixty two years, second year back, still searching for their first victory. Chris, please take. Take us out of here on this one. <laughs> Get your thoughts in on that. Oh, this was horrible. And I looked at – I watched the game at pieces, and I, I tell you one thing. Elizabeth City got a real problem um, because – Bluefield dominated the game, right? Bluefield dominated. They were dominating. They were up 21 to nothing in the first quarter. And then, you know, across the entire game, they had four turnovers – and they committed over 130 yards in penalties. And, and they couldn't finish drives as the game went on. They, I mean, they get into the red zone, interception. Get into the red zone, stall out. I mean, I think they just – somehow they underestimated or they just they just wore down, and, and the momentum just seemed to favor 
uh, a Bluefield team that was really, really, really motivated and hungry. Um, this shouldn't, this should not have happened. That's just, that's, I mean, it just should not have happened at all. It's just, it's an unacceptable loss for Elizabeth City. I mean, it's great for Bluefield, but it, it should not have happened, and not at this point. Now, while we on Bluefield, they take on Johnson C. Smith, who comes in after a loss this week. Oh, Johnson C. Yeah. Smith go on alert. Can Bluefield pull two in a row and say, hey, when y'all get done with all that playing, next invitation y'all send out needs to be to us for the CIAA. Wow. Can I mention something here? Because let me tell you how bad the second worst loss <laughs> this week was. Allen has not uh, even attempted to kick an extra point this season. So keep in mind that John C. Smith w- was unable to convert on two PATs, and Allen was able to do a two-point conversion, and that was the difference in this game. That, that's, that's how tight it was. I asked the question. Does Bluefield go 2-0 and against the CIAA in consecutive weeks? I'm saying I, 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 I think so, too. I really do think that Bluefield has a chance um, to knock off John C. Smith in this game. I mean, because I do think that that Bluefield actually probably a little bit stronger um, on uh, on defense than Allen was. But also, you know, John C. Smith is prone to turnovers and they're prone to stalling out uh, at, at bad times in the game. And we kind of saw that. Um, against Allen. So, yes, it's going to be another competitive game, and I'm looking forward to watching it. I really am. Um, the You're a, you're a Winston-Salem State grad, correct? I am. Uh, this week at North Carolina Central. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Now, what's the history on that? That rivalry, they, those teams have not played in a decade or maybe a decade longer, uh, if I'm not Mistaken on that? Eleven years. Okay. Seven places since 2010. Basically, since Central went went up. I was gonna say that, and they used yeah. to play annually, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. That's right. What is the what is the sense of the excitement? Uh, you know, and I and this all depends. Like, obviously, the first home opener got canceled against UNC Pembroke, so you haven't had a home game yet. But I'm sure uh, Ram Nation will be traveling. Uh, to Raleigh. Raleigh is where North Carolina Central is, correct? Durham. Durham, I'm sorry. Durham. They'll be traveling to Durham, I'm sure, correct? What's oh, yeah. The, what's the atmosphere going to be like for that contest? So, um, they actually traveled really well um, this past week to uh, Catawba, and going to Durham was not any any different in terms of distance um, to, to go to the game. Yeah, I mean, I expect to see quite a bit of, of folks there, you know, to uh, to cheer the Rams on and kind of see, you know, with another game, if they can have any improvement, um, particularly on offense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you go and tailgate, absolutely. You're going to have a good time, absolutely. Are you going for a win? Uh, I, I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> I wouldn't count on it. But, I mean, you know, look, li- listen, Winston – have some real issues that they're still trying to sort through. Again, a lot of uh, 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 new faces on both sides of the ball. The biggest question mark is that quarterback. You know, you know, the old saying goes: if you're playing two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. 
Um, and and to me, you know, at some point, uh, they need to choose a quarterback and go with it. And you kind of saw that Cameron Lewis, um, who came in for Dom- Dominique Graves, who was the starter last year, started this game, seemed to have a little bit more grasp of the offense and seemed to be a little bit more productive. Um, and 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 they just kind of pulled him after a while, and they put Dom back in, who had a, who ended up throwing a pick six. Uh, pick a quarterback and go with it. <laughs> I mean, this indecisiveness cost him uh, timeouts. This indecisiveness, you know, cost some valuable points. They stalled out in the red zone too and had to settle for field goals, which is nice to see that they have a kicker now. But nonetheless, pick somebody and go with it. I mean. That just is what it is. I mean, you have an interim head coach that, you know, is probably going to be evaluated at the end of the season. And, and maybe he doesn't want to – second – you're right. Second year as an interim and doesn't want to make mistakes. But at some point, you really need to pick somebody and go with it in order to um, see what you can get and see what rhythm you can build. Well, uh, let's uh, let's see what happens this upcoming week. Four schools are on a bye in the CIAA, by my records, you've got Elizabeth City State traveling to Norfolk State, and then you've got uh, three schools, uh, Bowie, Shawan, and Lincoln, taking on fellow Division II schools, uh, Johnson C. Smith and Shaw taking on – well, Shaw's taking on Central. We already talked about Johnson C. Smith taking on Bluefield State. And uh, Virginia Union's taking on VAU Lynchburg. So – Interesting weekend for for uh, for the teams of the CIAA. Chris, we can find your work at d2football.com is where we can find you. So make sure to go follow and your social media at d2kferg, F-E-R-G. Chris, always a great follow on Saturdays if you want to follow what's going on with the CIAA schools. He is dedicated for those uh, afternoon games and and punching out, just flipping. I mean, I, I, Chris – one day you're gonna have to show the uh, setup. I got a feeling it feels like you have like eight different TVs or monitors, and you've just got a monitor on every game, and so you're just firing off stuff left and right. I love, I love following you on Saturday afternoons, man. Good stuff. You're very welcome. Always a pleasure. All right, D2Football.com <laughs> is where you can find them. We'll be back right after these words. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be back in just a moment. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. So we've got a good 
Mangos Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to MangosCaribbeanRestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mangos Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.melvinboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. All right, welcome back to the BCSA of Sports Rap. Brian and AD here. And uh, what do we got? Oh, man, jeez. Come on, uh, Mr. Bennett, Montre. Leave my, leave, my, leave my Colts alone. <laughs> my Other Colts. comments since you uh, brought that one up. Going back to the stadiums, uh, Julius Nash, JSU Stadium is C60,000. Yes, everybody in the uh, HBCU realm knows JSU has the biggest stadium. You mean you mean the stadium that they play in? But it's not really stadium. theirs. Not really yeah. theirs, but the stadium that they play in, right? Yes, the public stadium that they play in. <laughs> uh, Doctor Gaville watches says good information. Th- thanks, Doc. We appreciate you. Uh, make sure you tune in to Doctor Gaville. Uh, you can go back and watch his show from this morning. Also, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays evening, seven o'clock Eastern, six p.m. Central right here on the Black College Sports Network. And also, while we mentioned the shows, uh, we've got the pregame show. We've got the Carlos Brown show. We've got Knights of the uh, Roundtable. And we've got Inside HBCU Football, which follows us. Quickly, Keith Martin says the I love. Uh, Will Marceline Sincere is checking in from uh, Flomo. And Montre Bennett says, fam, you. And Keith Martin says, careful, Brian. Where did I step wrong? Where did I go? What did I say? What did I say? I, I don't I, know. Well, you you just said something to get, keep calling you out on it. So. I know. I know. I didn't say anything. You're the one that bad-mouthed the schools over there. Um, I, I, I'm just I'm just speaking as a uh, – Hey, uh, I do. And, and, and Julius Nash – wait a minute. Julius Nash says, it's our stadium, emphasizing the hour – and Keith Martin says JSU Stadium is not public. I guess that was to me because I called it the public uh, stadium. All right, all right, all right, all right. We got, we got y'all, JSU. D, I love. We know y'all the hottest thing since uh fisheries for HBCU I'll, football. I'll let Drew wax poetic for you guys. I'm not doing it. Anyway, uh, I did rank y'all number two in my polls, though. In my poll, I did rank JSU number two, second best team in HBCU football right now after two weeks. So that much respect. And they want me some money. So props to Jackson State. Uh, I do. <laughs> let's mention for a fact that uh, you, you you mentioned it in the last segment with Chris. 
But let's really, I just want to give a real proper mention about Bluefield State College winning their first game in 41 years on the road, uh, you know, trailing 21-0 in the first quarter, tied the game up in the second quarter. That team is young, a lot of freshmen on that team. Last week, they lost at home by a touchdown, 21-14. This week, they go on the road against, say what you want against about ECSU, they are more experienced team uh, than Bluefield State. So whatever that means. Uh, quarterback Jarrell Joseph, 19-35, 232, four touchdowns for Bluefield State, rushed for 38 yards. Bluefield State's defense, though, is what came up big. In the fourth quarter, they had three interceptions. And that is what uh, – those were big drive killers for ECSU. And Bluefield State gets their first win in 41 years. And now they're looking to go on a streak because, as Drew pointed out, next week they've got uh, uh, Johnson C. Smith, who just lost to Allen. So they, you know, look, it's very conceivable that they could go two and oh, two in a row. Yeah. I, other big takeaways from the SIC, real quick, Drew, we've got Kentucky State. Losing a heartbreaker at the end of that ball game to Kentucky Wesleyan, uh, Kentucky State, you know, who I've dubbed the FCS HBCU killer. Uh, they uh, they lost that game 26 to 25, but missed the 35 yard field goal as practically time expired. They had a chance. Actually, uh, as the breakdown of that game goes, Kentucky State had taken the lead 20. Uh, had taken a lead in that game. I want to make sure I had, I had it pulled up. Let me make sure I, I say it right here. Uh, Kentucky State had had grabbed the lead over Kentucky Wesleyan late in that fourth quarter with, let's see. Um, let's see. They had gone up 25 to 20 with, it looks like about maybe uh, four minutes to go in that ball game. Then Kentucky Wesleyan came back with their own eight-play, 60-something yard drive, retook the lead, 26 to 25. On the ensuing kickoff after that touchdown, Brett Sylvie, 62-yard kickoff return to the Kentucky Wesleyan 30 after another first down. It uh, gave Kentucky State an opportunity to kick a field goal from 35 so that's all you can ask for was an opportunity, a great game. And and now uh, who's on upset alert against Kentucky State this week, Drew? Tennessee State. Moment, I, I, I had the SIC I, schedule pulled up. No, I just told you. I, I was I was the dramatic, dramatic pause because I thought you knew. I thought you had it in your memory banks. It was No, I did. Oh, Tennessee State. Uh, duh. Yeah, you, Tennessee you, State you on upset it. alert. I'm telling you now, Tennessee State, you're on upset alert because Kentucky State is coming to your stadium. Nissan Stadium, they're bringing that green and gold. And I'm telling you what, those, those boys, those thoroughbreds, they hit. And uh, that is a, that is an outstanding team, uh, one of the two or three best teams in the SIC. Hey, I, hey Brian. Yeah. Uh, Barry 305 says, let's talk about the Rattlers. They played a good game. Yeah. Uh, Ma- Mary, I love my Rattlers. I, just like Brian has it in his background, I have it, I have it in mine. But – We've got to figure out who our quarterback is going to be before we can t- before we can talk about the Rattlers doing something in the SWAT. 
And I'll let you come in on that in just a second. Eric Sanders, Albany State Golden Rams are hot going into the Valdosta State game. This will be the test to see how good Albany State can be because Valdosta State is ranked number three, I believe. And Albany State is top 25. I believe we said they were number 21 was the number that we uh, saw earlier today, Brian. Uh, wait, wait a minute. You, you threw out a couple of numbers. Number three where? Uh, Valdosta State's ranked number three in division. Oh, okay. So Valdosta yeah. State, yeah, uh, ranking. Well, we were looking at ratings on Madison. Ratings. I'm sorry, They're ratings. Number two. I'm they sorry. are number two, the second rated team on Massey. They're, they, they've been whooping up on HBCUs by – put 50 they put 50 on two straight teams and so now they've got albany state uh savannah and uh, i believe virginia uh was it virginia union so they they put 57 on on savannah state they put 50 on virginia union albany state uh, probably i i think the number one team right now in under d1 uh i know i think they might have been number one on the hbcu pro sports media poll for mid-majors so after a 28-12 win over Shorter University, Albany State looking good. And uh, what was the what was the score the last time they played? Do you recall? Uh, I'll, I'll go back and find it. But what I was going to say is Valdosta State has played more HBCUs thus far this season than some HBCUs have played thus far in, in the season. Yes, they're, they're and, three non they're They may be a candidate for uh, Black National Champions the way the way that they're going with their schedule. Stop it, stop <laughs> it, stop it, stop it. Yes, they, they, it's Albany State. You better you need to win this game. You got to protect the brand. Yep, definitely. Um, so, yeah, the uh, 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 Mary mentioned the FAMU win over Fort Valley State. Uh, FAMU's first win in 665 days. Uh, the last time the Rattlers uh, were on a two-game losing streak, they got on a nine-game winning streak, and it started with Fort Valley State. So uh, that was a 7-7 game at the half, and FAMU uh, went 27 unanswered in the second half and pulled out a 34-7 win. So it uh, doesn't have to be pretty, just needs to be a win. And I think the expectation is really high right now, and, and that's so any – you know, right now, I think people have to kind of step back a half a second. It, this week will be an interesting test for Florida A&M as they play USF. And USF has looked bad. They, that's about as bad a looking FBS team as there is in the country. So I this will be a good this will be a good litmus test for Florida A&M. You know, just like we talked about Jackson State taking on ULM this week. I, I want to say those are at the preseason beginning of the year. Those are two teams that I would have said, okay, they can beat those FBS schools. I still believe that. I still believe that. I just want to see whether FAMU believes it. I, I know Jackson State believes it. I, I don't have any doubt about that. Albany State uh, lost 38 to 3 to Valdosta State back on September 7th, 2019. They are 1 in 6. In, in within the past 10 years against Valdosta State. And that one matchup did occur in – the one win did occur in in Albany, and that was in 2017 that they, uh, that they won in Albany. One last note about the SIAC, Drew, and I'm going to ask you for one quick bull and bear before we go to a break. 
I do want to mention that Lane with a 35-26 win over Clark Atlanta was the only SIEC conference game. Um, and, and we thought for a minute it was the first conference game of the year, but it looks like that week zero contest between Central State and Kentucky State, even though they play at the end of the season, that first game in Columbus was counted as a conference game. So, you know, that's kind of interesting. Those two teams play again later at the end of the year. Uh, Lane, 21-0 lead at the end of the first quarter, 28-7 at the half. Tariq McKenzie, 25-38, 318 yards, two passing touchdowns. Ike Brown, running back, 25 carries, 121 yards, and three touchdowns for Lane. Uh, so Lane gets a win over Clark, who was just coming off of uh, a win. So Lane gets their first win of the season. All right, Drew, uh, what, before we go to a break and bring in, uh, we go to Mo in the next segment, uh, let's go with a bull and bear. Who are you bullish and bear about after two weeks of the season? I'm going to give you a, uh, a major division bull and bear, and I'm going to give you a mid-major division bull and bear. My bull team for the major division has to be Jackson State with with the uh, improvement they made from week one to week two, narrowly defeating uh, Florida A&M in week one and blowing out Tennessee State in week two. I mean, if it wasn't for the, the garbage touchdown by Tennessee State at the end, just imagine what their score would have been. So my bull team, it has got to be Jack- Jackson State. And for my my bear team in um excuse me my bear team I, I lost I lost my my place on my notes right quick my bear team has to be Alabama State <laughs> barely defeating Miles getting a snot beat out of them by Auburn you know. Alabama State has not looked good despite their one and one record. So my Bear team, they are both of them happen to be SWAC teams, but my Bear team ha- happens to be Alabama State for the major division. Go ahead, Brian, with yours, and then I'll come back with my second. Um, I, I'm gonna go. I want. I'm gonna go somewhere different. I I I went Jackson State last week. Um, so I I will go. Uh, I, you know what? I'll go with North Carolina Central. And I say that because I think when you can handle the the uh, when you can live up to when you can play up to expectation or, you know, and, and again, th- uh, 43. What, what's the what do my notes say? It was uh, 40. What I say, 43 points, 43 points you were predicted to lose by the Marshall. Um, you know, I thought, I thought they, they represented themselves well, North Carolina Central did North Carolina Central already coming off one win at the beginning of the year. Uh, there were some teams in the MEAC who looked really bad. And so that wasn't North Carolina Central. So they, uh, they, 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 they held strong and now they've got Winston-Salem State and then North Carolina A&T in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so I, I think there's they're in a good place. I think that is a good program. I'm really bullish on them. And you know what? I was going to say, I was going to go right there with you, with Alabama State. But I saw too much of Morgan State on Saturday. <laughs> so I am bearish on the Bears. 
I saw some bad tackling, slow defensive footwork, slow. I saw a quarterback from Tulane rush 25 yards up the middle, get two yards from the end zone and truck two bears going on to the goal line. Never thought I'd, I mean, and he, anyway, looked like he was about as, 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 as big as a wet paper towel, the kid from Tulane. <laughs> But literally, he dropped his shoulder and trucked a Morgan State bear going into the end zone. I, I was, I was a flabbergasted by what I saw out there. I know Ty, Coach Ty Wheatley is going to get it fixed, but they looked slow. They looked, they looked lost on defense. I, I'm bearish on the Bears. I'm just going to say it at that. <laughs> and with that, we are going to a break, and we come back with Mo Carter as we talk about the weekend. Uh, this past weekend with the SWAC and the upcoming matchup between Alabama A&M and Bethune-Cookman. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be back right after these words. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interest and overall goals. We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit thamptonlaw.com to conveniently schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton Esquire. 1631 Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407-494-1471, thamptonlaw.com. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here joining us, good friend of the program, Mo Carter, WZDX Sports in Huntsville, Alabama. 
And as you can see, Mo's in the in the studio. Probably got some work to do with all this uh, activity going on, all this football activity going on, Mo. Right? Absolutely. You know, just um, taking a break from getting ready for my nine o'clock show within the newscast, and then we have a Sunday ten p.m. show in which we'll recap the weekend in college sports and also pro sports, and then a couple other things that happened throughout the weekend. So uh, let's let's first start with uh, the positive. Southern got a win. <laughs> It was a little, it was a little scary, a little scary there at half. I know you, you might have been sweating a little bit at halftime. Uh, what's your, what's your takeaway from uh, the the close game against Miles and just them being able to kind of overcome that deficit and everything and the challenges with that? Well, first of all, I'm going to say this: hats off to Coach Reginald Ruffins and the Miles Golden Bears. I mean, those guys came out there to play and they expected to win just like they did last week in Montgomery when they took on Alabama state. And I mean, Hey, they jumped out on Southern um, and it really, really took for some big time halftime adjustments by coach Jason Rollins and the Jaguars. And eventually they came um, together and, you know, kind of blew the game wide open. One big thing, um, of course, for Southern Legarius Skelton was ruled out right before the game. So, you know, you had to go with the backup quarterback and he came through, did some good things. But the big thing I think Southern did well yesterday was run the football. They had over 300 yards on the, on the rushing attack, had two guys over the run 100 yard um, rushing totals. And that really, really made a huge difference in not only gaining momentum, but also stepping up the tempo for the Jaguars. And you also, you can look at it like this. At the end of the day, in a situation, if Southern is able to run for 300 yards against anybody throughout the entire season, they're going to be very, very successful. Now, of course, I know yesterday was kind of emotional, too, because it was the official dedication for um, the field at A.W. Mumford Stadium is now known as Pete Richardson Field. It was the Pete Richardson Classic. So, you know, there's a whole lot of things going on. And I really think, too, that the Jaguars are really trying to find an identity after laying a huge egg in their beatdown to Troy last week. So they definitely build up a lot of confidence as they get ready for their FCS out-of-conference game next week against McNeese State, which also happens to be the alma mater of Coach Jason Rollins. The thirteenth member of the SWAC is coming to town. Ta- that's at Southern, correct? That <laughs> yes, it is at Southern. <laughs> yes, we we like to affectionately call McNeese State because I think they have a something like a twelve game win streak against the SWAC or something ridiculous like that. It's something along those lines. Yeah, you know they played Southern in the past. They played Grambling. They played Alcorn, and um, I want to say they've they've had another SWAC team in the last like decade and a half or so. So I yeah, it's kind of didn't they play Valley at one point in time? Also, I believe I think so as well. But yeah, you know they're very very familiar with the SWAC opponents. Um, that team, along with Northwestern State, are two teams that you definitely have seen on the locks. A lot of squack schedules in the past. And if you go back to when I was a kid, you can add Nickel State to that list as well. Right. Yeah, I, I no no truth to the rumor that this is why Coach Rollins was hired for this week right here. No, that's just, that's just pure speculation on my part. I have no com- confirmation of that. So go ahead with your question, Drew. Now, uh, Mo, the team that you cover, Alabama A&M, by week, uh, because they were unable to pick up uh, game number 11 on their schedule. So what what did the Bulldogs do during their extra bye week uh, this week? So when we talked to Coach Connell Manor early in the week um, on his presser with the local media, he kind of said that what they were doing was they kind of did a combination of uh, partial kind of preseason camp type things in the first couple of days. And then, of course, 
it kind of lacks back a little bit of water because they had a lot of guys that were injured in that South Carolina State game and had a lot of other guys who were nicked up in that game. So, you know, they did a lot of things that really, really kind of reassure that the team will be good moving forward as they get ready for a very tough road contest against Bethune-Cookman. Now, a nice caveat was last night um, we had the ring ceremony for not only the football team, but also the tennis team who also won the SWAG championship during the spring. So um, if you head over to one of the A&M um, Twitter accounts, um, you will see the bling uh, that Alabama A&M got, of course, for football. They got two rings because they not only won the swag, but it will also name the HBCU football national champions by various media entities, including Box to Row and the Black College Sports page. So that was something very, very nice and special. As a matter of fact, we sent somebody over there last night. You'll be able to see our story posted um, either tonight or tomorrow morning on that. So that was definitely good. But then after that, Coach basically said that, hey, once, you know, the Monday morning practice comes around, it's full steam ahead on Bethune-Cookman. They've already really kind of been looking at what Cookman's been doing, and they also got a chance to look at Cookman um, last night in their game against UCF. And we'll, you know, we'll kind of dive more into that with Coach Maynard on tomorrow. But a big thing is that they were working on themselves um, as they got ready for Bethune-Cookman. And you kind of know how it is. It's a short week. So because it's a short week uh, for Bethune, they may be at a disadvantage a little bit or whatever. But then, you know, then again, it's like Bethune has their feet under them. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see how Thursday's game will come out. Yeah. Now, we, let me ask you this. The defense. Alabama A&M cannot continue to outscore everybody and be successful. Uh, did Coach Maynard mention anything about what he's doing to show up that defense? Because, you know, they, they scored 42, but they gave up 41. Rule says you have to win by one, and that's all they did was win by one. So would you say that about their defense? Yeah, when I asked him about the defense, of course, he said there's some improvements that do need to happen. Now, one thing um, that many people will not know unless they actually go into the actual stat sheet is the fact that the defense, quote-unquote, didn't give up 41 points, theoretically, if you really look at it. They did have a kickoff return for a touchdown, so that's seven points. And then um, Brian Jenkins Jr. fumbled uh, a punt that actually led to South Carolina State's first um touchdown if i'm not mistaken and that like that put them up seven to nothing and then the court then the the touchdown that south carolina state got right before the end of the second quarter that came because a great field position from a strip fumble and basically the defense had their backs against the wall in that situation also too i don't want to dive into this too much or whatever but there were some guys who were slated to start that did not start due to um coaching decisions along with possible compliance situations as well. I think one thing that is really going under the radar with this whole transfer portal stuff is that your compliance departments are like really being overwhelmed with the amount of work they have to do now. So in all safety and fairness, yeah, you know, some guys were kind of held out just so things could, you know, be better for the future. You don't want to kind of blow things on a one game. And there were a few injuries as well. So, no, um, when he really balls back down to it, yeah, the defense does have to get better. Yes, Aquil Glass can go and throw for 800 yards if he needs to, but I guarantee he does not want uh, to do that. I'm pretty sure Coach Manor doesn't want to see that either. But, yeah, they did say they are working on some things with defense, and it's going to be a week in and week out 
thing. They know for sure the offense can score, but they need the defense to come up big. And as you saw, they did come up big at the end. They did get an interception to seal the game. But the funny thing is, uh, on the previous fourth down play, they also could have sealed the um, the game. The dude dropped the interception. Yeah, no, it's and it's a good thing you brought up the compliance issue because we know that that had an effect with a couple other schools as well. I mean, it had some issues uh, at Southern. I know. I think it may have had some issues uh, at FAMU uh, going into the opening week, and so it, it. Yeah, like you said, it's one of those things we we don't we can't. You're obviously not going to get too much information. Uh, at least from the school's perspective, so it's you're kind of you're kind of left to kind of uh, catch it uh, from uh, roundabout sources, so to speak. Um, this past week was the paycheck weekend for uh, <laughs> F- FCS schools. Eleven of our HBCUs picked up paychecks, but they also took beatings uh, this week. Um, I, I don't know whose beating was the worst or toughest to watch. Um, what's your, what's your thought or take on where we are as, as, as a, as a conference, as schools, as it, as it comes to taking on these FBSs, is the check really worth it? Yes and no. I kind of look at it as a glass half empty, glass half full. Because, of course, you know, in most cases, you are going to probably get beat by double-digit points. Now, it does not go for every single FCS squad. You may have seen another team from the state of Alabama, Jacksonville State, went to Florida State last night and won won on a Hail Mary walk-off touchdown pass from Zarek Cooper. So, you know, every once in a while you do get those and whatnot. As a matter of fact, I think that's their second P5 win in about a decade or so. Um, in that situation. But as far as us as a swag schools, um, yeah, I mean, the paycheck games, I mean, are they worth it financially? Yes, but you also have to be smart about a lot of these games and whatnot. Of course, we've seen some guys get hurt and not be in the best situation for the rest of the year when it comes to injury standpoint. I mean, I did look at a couple of the games and yeah, the results were not too good, honestly, or whatever. But also, I'll say this too. We can stop And when I say we, I'm talking about people in HBCU athletics and supporters and fans and alums. We can stop this situation if we find ways to give more back to our universities and also to the athletic programs that we do support. Because you got to think about it. These paycheck games, yeah, they're a paycheck. And what they're doing are they're going into the athletic department to help out with other athletic resources. And it's not just in football or whatever. You see it in basketball as well. You see it in women's basketball. You see it in baseball. So uh, just the football ones are always on the big spectrum because of how large of a check you do get from them or whatever. So, yeah, you know, you definitely do get paid. I know, like, for instance, Alabama State, I think they got like half a mil yesterday. You got to think out that half a mil, they probably got like the whole uh, whole amount because all they had to do was hop on a bus and drive 40 minutes down the road to Auburn. They didn't have to do the hotels. They didn't have to do various other things. But that's not always the case in point for a lot of schools and situations overall. Um, do I see more of them happening? Possibly. But then with the whole change of how things are going with P5 schools, I'm not exactly sure where we stand on with that. And another thing, too, is I know we see more paycheck games now or whatever. And a lot of it is because probably and you guys can kind of attest to this a little bit more. um, We used to have like thousands of classic games, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and those have gone away. 
Exactly. You know, so with that being said, with a lot of those going away and stuff, you have to still find ways to make the money. You have to find ways to make sure that your athletic department are A-OK. So that's why I'm kind of urging the not only the athletic departments, but the supporters and alums. And if you, you know, and even if you're not either one of those, would you support an HBCU? Find ways to support them financially in multiple initiatives because they definitely go a long way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let me ask you this, Mo. There was a uh, extra HBCU game within in the state. Morgan State came down and uh, took on Tulane in their home away from home in Birmingham. And when I looked at in the crowd, I only watched the first quarter of the game. Mm-hmm. Did not seem like there were a whole lot of people at that game. And, you know, Birmingham is a good HBCU market. Tuskegee, Miles, Alabama State, Alabama A&M all have uh, good alumni associations within that market. Do you think that may have been an opportunity to so some of those, hey, let's go watch this other HBCU since all of our HBCUs, except for Tuskegee, were on the road, you know, just, some, just something to throw out there. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, it could have been an opportunity to go out and support another HBCU. But also, I will say this, the decision for Tulane to actually play that game at Legion Field in Birmingham literally was like a last minute thing. I want to say I heard the decision came down either late Wednesday or early Thursday or so. And I think really by then, if you're a supporter or uh, when it comes to athletics, uh, especially for HBCU, you you probably were already pre-planned, already had your plans already set and whatnot. And of course, too, you also have think about this and I I hate to go into another realm outside of HBCUs but also during that time you got to think too um, Auburn was playing Alabama was playing um, Alabama State was playing Auburn and you know those were those games kind of overlapped the time that Morgan State was playing Tulane as well so you know you kind of think about that you mentioned Tuskegee I think they were they you know they played their regular 1 p.m. game down there under the shed and stuff so you know maybe missed opportunity but then again it's kind of like okay the connection of Morgan State to Birmingham not so much and I, I honestly didn't get a chance to really look at it too much in general but uh, I'm pretty sure that. like Huh? You, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, they didn't bring the whole pageantry thing with the bands and all that and stuff, too. So, you know, you have to think about situations of that, that nature as well, because especially here in Alabama, people have things circled off. So, like, they've got this date. They've got that date, you know. Like, for A&M, you know, the A&M fans, they know, okay, look, we're going to Mobile, you know, next weekend. We're, um, you know, take on Tuskegee. And, of course, they got the two home games or whatever before coming back. People in Birmingham, they know about when Match City Classic is. They know when Tuskegee and Morehouse will be playing their annual rivalry in Birmingham. Miles was on the road. So there are several factors that you can kind of look at or whatever. But I really think it all just attests back to the fact that literally it was a last-second change because Tulane is practicing here in the state of Alabama until things get better in the New Orleans area following Ida. Right. All right. Uh, Mo, you're not on the road. You're not traveling down to Daytona to cover this game, are you? 
No, man, I really, really thought about it. Um, <laughs> of course, I'm usually pretty good with the A&M click, if, um, especially the coach staff, if I need to, like, travel with them and whatnot. But, you know, because of this wonderful pandemic that we are still dealing with, got to be smart about a whole lot of things. And for those that don't know, I have a nine-month-old son, so I'm not trying to get him sick in any way, shape, or form. So I have to just find ways to, you know, be very, very cautious and whatnot because, look, I want him to be – participating on Saturdays on a gridiron, possibly um, in about 18, 19 years and whatnot. I need to make sure he's A-OK right now or whatever the move forward going with there. So, no, I'm not going to go ahead and travel to Daytona and, and whatnot. going to have to go ahead and just get my highlights off the TV. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of chalk it up like that. And I also think it's going to be a perfect opportunity for A&M to kind of showcase some stuff on a national TV front come this Thursday. I think a lot of eyeballs are going to be on that game between Alabama A&M and Bethune-Cookman. Mo yeah. Carter the third, uh, class of 38, Southern University. Does he wear 21? I'm just talking. <laughs> hey, look, it's, it's a good – look, it's a good possibility. I can tell you this. Um, so – before he left to go to Norfolk State, actually, Coach Odoms had reached out to me about a week after we had announced that um, we had the gender reveal as a boy. And he was like, hey, man, congratulations. He may become a future Jaguar. And I'm like, okay, sounds cool, Coach. Just to let you know, uh, we're looking at class of 2037 to 38. I'm like, maybe he'll play under you. And he just sent me a big old LOL. It was like, we'll just see and all that. Um, so, you know, it was a pretty cool conversation that we had, um, you know, via text and whatnot, um, you know, back then. But, yeah, man, you, you, you never know. I'm at also at a point, though, I'm just trying to take this thing day by day by day and whatnot. I can tell you this, though, the little boy, he can run. Oh, my God, he can run around. Uh, you know, he's not walking yet, but he's in the walk. And when I say he literally can go from one side of the house to the other side of the house in about five seconds, Oh, I'm telling you the truth. Matter of fact, my wife can back me up as well if y'all need the extra verification. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, Mo Carter, make sure you guys are following Mo on Twitter. Uh, Mo, give out the handle again, at Mo. What is it again? Give it out. It's, okay, it's on Twitter, it's at Mo, M-O-C-A-R-T-E-R-W-Z-D-X. That's Mo Carter, W-Z-D-X. And then on um, Facebook, my professional page is Mo Carter, W-Z-D-X News. All right. Make sure you guys check out uh, check out the report uh, and see the, uh, the the ring ceremony for Alabama A M. And of course, they play this Thursday night on ESPN. Probably ESPN U. I would guess. It's, yeah, it's the U. Seven thirty Eastern time, which is six thirty Central. Bethune Cookman. I'm gonna try to find my way up to Daytona to go see that game or cover that game as best as I can. Uh, so that'll be that'll be a good showing. So we look forward to that game. All right, Mo. Hey, thanks for your time, man. Have a good show tonight. And uh, we always appreciate you coming in. Uh, we're going to take hey, a no. real short break and we'll be back right after these words on the BCSN sports wrap, Brian and AD and Mo Carter. There you see it. We'll be back right after these words. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change.
All right. want to give a shout out again to our guests, uh, Chris Ferguson, D2Football.com, and Mo Carter, WZDX in Huntsville, Alabama, for joining us on this show. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever and however you're listening. We appreciate your comments and and everything, uh, you know. And so, uh, Drew, before we get out of here, let's we got to get into the, the quickly the D2, who you're bullish and bearish about on the under D1 level. That's under D1. That's uh, D2 and uh, NAIA level. It's a toss-up between three teams, uh, between Albany State, Benedict, and Langston, but I am going with Benedict as my uh, as my bull team. And for my – did I take your team? No, no, that, I just forgot about that. That's a big win. 40, I mean, wipe the floor with Ed Ryan. That was shocking the yeah, way that Benedict. game went down. But anyway, go ahead. And my bear team, uh, it, it, it's a all of the above. You can take anybody in the CIAA, not named Bowie State or Shawan. <laughs> um, I am I'm bullish on Bluefield State. I'm bullish on Bluefield State. I mean, just seeing what they did uh, 40, 62 years since they've had football, 41 since they've uh, won a contest. I, somehow those numbers don't sound right in my head when I just said it. But anyway, I know it's been a few decades since Bluefield State has won, and they got a win. They did it in impressive fashion. Um, and who am I bearish about? Jeez Louise. Uh, can I be bearish about an entire conference, CIAA? Uh, I, I, think, I just did. Join yeah, I think, hey, I think I'm going to have to join you there. <laughs> I, I'm hoping for a better showing this upcoming week. Uh, real quick, if you're – Voting in your polls, does your one or two top teams change in your polls for this upcoming week? Top two teams. My 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 number one. Yeah, yes, they did. I, and I'll say it. My my two and my three flipped on my major poll. I flipped my two and my three. Okay. Um, uh, where last week I had you about the one and two, but go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well, you said one and two, so my two and my three flipped. So my one stayed the same, but my two. But I have a new number two on the mid-major poll. My one stayed the same, and I also have a new number two team. Yeah, my one and two. My, matter of fact, my two and my three flipped on on my vote in the mid-major poll also. Okay, so you uh, stay tuned for that on Monday, the reveal. Uh, you can see the full uh, poll by the HBCU Pro Sports Media uh, major and mid-major top ten. Uh, heading into week three. Um, coming up shortly, BJ Jones inside HBCU football will be live here on the network. And uh, we got a full week of shows coming up. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned for that. And uh, you'll probably catch another sports wrap later in the week. We'll drop something as we get a preview ready for week number three. So that's going to do it for this show for AD Drew. I'm Brian Fulford. Thank you. Like, subscribe, follow, and support myjbn.com slash support whenever you can. And make sure you download and stay connected in with the BCSN pod zone. That's going to do it for this show. Take care of yourselves. Peace out. I'll holler.